finals mate they're upon us so it's yellow alert we could be on tonight we could be drinking schooners watching pro surfing and watching aussies get crowned as world champions i know i've reached for my uh i reached my phone this morning and just saw all these yellow alerts yellow alerts and then um you know jumped on instagram and jesse uh was there saying we could be running so uh i just went okay how much sleep am i going to get over the next 48 hours probably not that much but um yeah, excitement levels are starting to build for sure, mate. Did a little bit of wee come out the eye of your pain when you saw the yellow alert? It, it actually caught me off guard a little bit. I was thinking that maybe we were going to uh, have a couple of days just to, you know, watch the morning show and really get the froth build, but uh, definitely a little bit of leakage occurred this morning when I got out of bed for sure. <laughs> Now, before we get going, mate, we've, we've had a big roll into this event. You know, we've, we've talked to our world champions. We've talked to surfers who have competed in the WSL finals that first year. We've spoken to uh, commentators, journalists, just about everyone. But uh, along with Parco, you're one of the only guys who's actually won at Trestle. So uh, just to enlighten our uh, listeners... Um, we are on the phone to Richie Lovett, WSL commentator these days, but uh, top line, top 16 uh, world tour surfer back in the day. And yeah, you, you, your big win, mate, came at Trestle. So what I'd love to get your insights about is, you know, the wave itself and also, you know, like how you can make it work for you. Like what, what can Steph, Jack and Ethan look for in terms of getting this thing over the line? But Let's go back, first of all, mate, to your big win because it was actually one of the – it sparked one of the biggest parties that I've ever, ever been to. Yeah. um, I was actually wondering what intro you were going to do, Warner, because I have been listening to all the lead-up shows and it's been, you know, three times world champion, seven-time CT winner, and then Rick Love, just the one. Um, Yeah, but you won where it matters, mate. You won where where it's all going down. (laughs) Uh, it was a special one for sure, and um, it came for me seven years into travelling on the tour. You know, I, I did ten, and it was in the seventh year, so it was a it was a bloody relief, to be honest with you, um, when I when I finally got it. But um, you know, it, if I could have if I could have mapped out or scripted a place to win a championship tour event, it was obviously lowers was one of the kind of top three that you'd earmarked. Everyone dreams of winning at Pipeline, but the actual chance of doing it, it's pretty slim when you think about all the pipe specialists and then you've got, um, you know, you've got your other events, the J-Bays and things like that. But lowers for me was um, definitely high on the list just because I, I gravitated to that style of surfing and I gravitated to the wave as well. I, I remember surfing it for the first time, my very first wave, and I just went, oh, my gosh, I love this place. It you know, it's it's not a hard wave to surf, and I feel like anyone who surfed the place, they they kind of get that feeling. They go, this is just such 
a user-friendly, playful way where you really can put your best assets on show. And um, earlier in the year, so it was 2003 when I won, um, and uh, earlier earlier in the year I, I went to California for the OP Pro or whatever it was, the Huntington Beach event, and um, I took a couple of trips down to Lowers and I had a, a few new Merricks to try and I had a bunch of LSDs um, who was shaking my board, Luke Short was shaking my boards at the time. And I went down there and I was just having the most mind-bending experiences and surfs down there where I was, I felt like I was actually improving with each surf, like I was improving my own surfing. And I, I, I clicked with the place that much, but I, I just felt like I could deliver my best surfing there. So when that event rolled around, um, I was on a high anyway. I, I was full of confidence. I'd just come off the European leg. Um, I went and did the QS with Jake, Pato, and a, and a bunch of the crew. There was a whole Aussie contingent, and um, I did really well through those events. I got second in the France event. Um, Trent Munro won that one, but I felt like my surfing was on. So I got to Trestles, and I was I was pressure-free in terms of qualification. I think I'd done enough on the QS at that point. Uh, that I was going to be safe. So I, I, I relaxed into that event and um, it just started happening from the opening heat. I just, I took control. I had a win um, early on. I, I had Danny Wills and Danilio Costa in the first three manor. I won that one. Um, then I had Shay Lopez, then Dean Dingo Morrison, then Parker, then Taylor, and then Taj in the final. So it was a, it was a good run. And, um, yeah, highlight of my career for sure. Yeah, mate, I'll, I'll never forget, ever forget. I mean, that party, I've got to talk about it because it was off. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> it was off the hook. The last thing I saw, there were two things that stayed with me as I was walking out of that joint. It was Mick Fanning jumping the fence into just like this monstrous hill full of blackberries wearing nothing but a beer bong on his bits. And, and you... Lying in the pool on this inflatable lilo, the pool by that color had gone from like, you know, this beautiful aquamarine turquoise color to just poo brown because everyone had been chucked into the pool, you know, with all their clothes. And I think Ozzy turned up and he got chucked in with his leather jacket and jeans on and Doc Martens. And I think the next morning they found something like 13 phones in the pool. But yeah, the last thing I saw when I was walking out, and I've told you this a few times, was just you in this lilo looking up at the stars with the most content look on your face, like the happiest human alive. Oh, and it, it just comes back to that moment of satisfaction when you finally achieve something. And I, and I, um, I think it was Lane who was talking about it when she won the, you know, her world, world title, one of her world titles. There was almost a, there's this, there's a sense of elation and celebration and, um, achievement but there's this sense of relief and I guess at that moment when you when you saw me there I was just you know so relieved and just looking up at the stars going you know I'd finally done it because I I'd been I mean not to you know stroke my own sort of ego but I'd I'd been voted the most underrated surfer on the tour for so many years Mm. and um you know I had the I had the sort of backing and the belief from my family and my friends and everyone back at home on the beaches and so many people, even like I had even the judges come up to me at certain points, just going, dude, you got to stick with it because you know, you're going to get there. You're going to get there. It's going to come. So, um, just to finally get it, mate, was, was a big one. And, um, 
yeah, again, it's something that <laughs> it's a fond memory. And the party was outstanding. And it was Luke who kicked off that tradition um, when he won the year before. So we had a bit of an Aussie run. And um, Luke won uh, the first year. And then we were both sponsored by Electric Sunglasses at the time. And Bruce Beach, the owner, had a, had a beautiful house up on the hill with a big pool and everything. And it was like, right, Luke won. Let's go. Let's party. So, you know, that... That set the tone. So the following year, it was like, right, I back it up again, um, and we did that. And then there was a, um, you know, it was a not a passing of the torch. It was a passing of the tequila bottle at that point. Oh. And um, you know, Luke handed it to me, and then we handed it around. And then I did the same to Parker the following year when he won it. So yeah, what a masochist inviting a bunch of Aussies at particularly at that stage of the world tour up to his house for a party, mate. What's a what a I know. You've got to question his sanity there. But, um, <laughs> mate, you bring up a good point there. Like, Trestles, uh, the winners at Trestles traditionally, they're guys with just beautiful, super flowy styles. Like, you've you got Luke Egan, Parco, Kelly obviously won a bunch there. Um, even, like, right up to Felipe, you know, like, which sort of – it says to me that it's a wave that actually – it cops a lot of flack for not being a wave of truth, but it is a wave that will sort of benefit those guys who have that really smooth style of surfing, um, yourself included. So when you look at these final series, I mean, you, you start looking at Ethan, uh, Felipe, obviously, and, and Kanoa as, as sort of maybe more, you know, with a bit more strength than, than you might have given them at first glance. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. Um, and I... I would call it a wave of truth, but not a wave of consequence. And the reason why I call it a wave of truth is... You do say it's a wave of truth. I do say it is because I, I, I don't feel... Like, I feel like you can do your best surfing. I feel like it can elevate your flaws. Obviously, it's not going to kill you like Chopu or Pipeline, but it, it's, it's a wave where you put your very best foot forward. And if you don't put your very best foot forward, you're going to be left, left in someone's wake. And I, I, obviously, that's the scenario that we're looking at for the finals, you've got to be on. Um, and a lot of it, I've been thinking about this, you know, over and over again, just having conversations in my own mind about, you know, who's the favourite and who can do good. And um, a lot of it has got to do with, with the conditions that are going to be presented at the time. Um, you know, we saw last year with the, with the early morning sickness, it's a, it becomes quite a difficult wave to surf when it's like that. And at high tide, it can be a difficult wave to surf. There's all these other little factors. Uh, if the wind's not quite up and it's glassy smooth, you don't have that lip to hit um, and you really do need to stick to the face. Um, so that, I feel like, is going to come into play on the day. Um, but back to your point about the smoothness of, of, of style, um, yeah, obviously that falls in the favour of, of Ethan and, and Kanoa kind of in the, in the first two heats. And then, um, well, Philippe's got it, got it all. When you, when you think about if, if you were to CGI a server to, to perform at lowers at, at the moment in, uh, in the present day, it would probably be Philippe. There's not too much more you could really add to him. Um, to make him any better out there. So it's obviously his to lose. Everyone's spoken about that. Um, it's interesting in those first two matchups, I think, on, on uh, the men and women's side because 
Obviously, Steph is super smooth on the women's side. Her style is just, um, you know, it's impeccable. One of the best, if not the best in the world. Um, but again, she fell victim to morning sickness in the conditions last year. I think mentally she wasn't quite switched on as well. So I think mentally she'll be switched on, but she'll need to adapt to whatever's sort of uh, presented. Um, and when we think about lowers, you kind of straighten your mind, you go to four to six foot, completely groomed with a, you know, five knot of wind. And that's that's the mental picture that you just drum up in your mind when you think of it. But it's not always going to be like that. Mm. So um, It's funny, man. Lots that, of variables that, there. That flow, though, I mean, if I've got a, a you know, a, a sort of image in my head of someone just, I don't know, milking trestles to pieces it's Slater because he would honestly not even he wouldn't even go to the big money turn you know what I mean like he'd do like 19 floaters all the way down the beach and just almost go back to that length of ride thing but he'd do it so smooth that he he kind of bamboozled the judges through your era he did um you know it's it's cliche but he was storytelling on the wave he was um connecting it so well from start to finish um and you know there was the greats can do that andy used to do it in his own raw way um taj does it as well um and he eventually got the win um and uh you know obviously you look at, at today and and geordie's had had amazing success out there in waves and it comes back to that smoothness and flow on the particularly on those outside sections Warner, when it is groomed and standing up and it's about mid-tide and it's the perfect kind of slope of the face, it allows those surfers who do have that rail game to tap into it and put it 100% on show. And it's it's a beautiful thing to watch and being, you know, a purist at heart, I'd, I, I just gorge out on that style of surfing. So that's why, I mean, you know, I love Ethan's style like to death. It's... It, it, it just drives me insanely um, happy to watch it. And, um, yeah, so uh, he's going to be a danger in there for sure. I love what you said before. I want to just pick your analytical brain here. Um, not so much on the, the sort of techniques or style or, or anything, but more about attitude. And you said yourself, you know, like winning there was a relief for you. And if I look at the draw, men's and women's, there's some surfers there who I think – will be feeling the same way you do, you know, if they get it. It'll be like Carissa would feel relief. I don't, I don't know if she'd feel the same sort of uh, exaltation that she did last year. But Philippe, he's going to be feeling relief, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know if it's just because they're in the gold jersey, but it feels like because they're in that position where they're expected to win, anything less than that is going to be a dismal failure. And I, I just... I feel like the kryptonite for Felipe in this event is almost like that uh, that Greg Norman on the final day of the, of the Masters. You remember that? He had an eight-shot lead going into the final. Uh, and and I've, I've heard this on a couple of different sports podcasts where it was so far ahead and so like just money in the bank that he was going to win that his sponsors flew his family over. They flew a bunch of friends over. And, uh, you know, it just built and built and built until he woke up on the morning and he just knew something was off. And I just, <laughs> I feel like there's, I'm not saying that's going to happen to Felipe, but I feel like he's in a similar position where it's just all there for him. You know, he only has to surf two heats. He can 
watch what everyone's doing. He can see how the judges are scoring. He can uh, pinpoint his, you know, uh, point of difference uh, against the other guys, like, you know, right up until he, he has to go in the water. But, man, how do you keep it together, Rich? Like, how are these guys going to prepare for the reality of paddling out and having to be absolutely cold-blooded? And girls. Well, the, the, the obvious answer is, you, you, you know, the P's, poor preparation prevents piss-poor performance. And all of these surfers have prepared the best they know how. Obviously, we've been watching the social clips drop. We've been seeing them out there, uh, the men and women. You know, they're all training. Um, so I, I think they're probably as prepared as they're going to be in terms of their equipment, um, you know, what boards they're going to ride in, what conditions, even down to the wetsuit they're going to wear, the leash, the wax they're going to use on the day. Like, all of that stuff would be done. And obviously their coaches and, and, the, and their crew around them would be, would be looking after them as well. The mental thing is the one thing that you wanted to touch on. And, and I think Philippe in particular, because he doesn't have that title yet, that is going to be weighing on him and he's going to need to control his emotions around that. Now, going back through the draw, so Italo and Cano, I reckon you could almost flip a coin between those guys depending on the conditions. Then um, I feel like whoever meets Ethan is going to go down and Ethan's going to meet Jack in, the, in match number three. And then I feel like something just inside me saying that Jack is going to end up in the final with Philippe. Now, Jack has already established established himself as one of these guys that is so clutch at winning heats and winning contests now that that is also going to be in Philippe's mind. So if he makes the final with Philippe, Philippe's going to be going, I can't let this guy get ahead of me or, or get the better of me until this hooter goes because he's done so many last-minute wins that that in itself is going to be playing in Philippe's mindset as well. So he's potentially going to have to put it to bed a bit earlier and, and really stamp his authority on the heat because he's not going to want Jack to be sitting there with priority with two minutes to go because we know what Jack can do. So um, I think those guys are really well matched in terms of the X factor and what they can bring. Um, but it's Philippe's to lose. He needs to stay mentally strong. I'm assuming he's just wrapped himself up in his family cocoon um, and is staying pretty kind of, you know, shut off to all the outside noise that's happening at the moment. And what about Carissa, mate? Um, you know, again, number one seed, but a different energy. It hasn't been an easy year for her. Will, will she go into this into this title day, uh, the, the WSL finals, with um, with that? absolute attitude of I am the best or do you think she'll be looking over her shoulder a bit? Uh, I think I think the former. I think she's probably thinking I'm, I'm confident I can win this. She did it last year and, um, you know, she sort of came back from from being put up against the ropes in the first couple of – in the first round and then bounced back. Um, you know, it was a super close one as well and I – 
feel like she's going to be bigger and better again. I think she's got she's got Mitch Ross there again. They've been uh, they've been working hard all year, and obviously she's wrapped herself in a little comfort zone of having everyone she wants around her that gives her that sort of positive energy and that feeling and that that um, the affirmations of you know you're a winner. Um, so I, I feel like it will be Steph and Carissa in the final at that point. I feel like Steph's just going to be running out of gas at that stage. So, um, you know, I think back to I served quarter semis final on the final day. So that was only three heats. Um, I probably could have done one more, I think. Um, but to surf five, potentially six heats, huge ask, massive. Um, so the body's going to have to be uh, on point. And as you know, as you get tired physically, the brain starts to switch off as well. So, um, yeah, I think, again, it's Carissa's to lose, but I think I, I think she'll do enough. Man, oh, man, it's just so fucking exciting. <laughs> I, can't, I can't get over it because one of the things that, that I – like if I was coming from spot four or five, like it's not – completely unusual to have to do that in a single day uh, at some events, you know, to win a comp. And most of these guys, uh, it would be mentally telling themselves, I've done this before, I can do it again. The the abnormality is that you're, you're getting a fresh opponent every time. So you're, you're not really like doing the best of. And yeah, I don't know. I, like, I think that if we're going to tweak this um, format out over the coming years, I'd really love to see everyone surf the same amount of times you know what i mean like a, a final system where you, you're getting everyone on level pegging so that you're actually getting brawls instead of you know like someone having one hand tied behind their back kind of thing are you almost saying like a instead of a top three a top five got to say top three and then have three three you know heat rounds so that yeah yeah well i mean if they want um yeah possibly i was kind of more thinking like a top eight like blow it right out and then just do top fours, surf off for a, a place in the major semi, losers of the top four, surf against the, uh, you know, top two of the, the back half of the final four heats. Sort of like the, right, the okay. footy. But, um, sort of like the rugby, yeah. Yeah, because then you've got uh, number one seeds in the water first heat of the day, so everyone's just jacked. Uh, and then you've got uh, a little break, and there's the advantage for the people who win the first rounds. But anyway, it's all just – that's all hypothetical compared to what's going to be going down. So Carissa winning the women's for you, Rich, and um, yeah. who's winning the blokes? Uh, I, I think Philippe will do it. Um, I really think Philippe's going to win the world title this year. I, I feel like regardless of what's happened in the last event, I, I feel like he's probably just – moved on from that and his sole focus which would have been happening before he even went to Tahiti anyway was all about lowers I mean he's he's so good out there and when I think about if you split the wave in two and if it's pumping you know Philippe's as strong as anyone on the first half of the wave and then he's possibly stronger than you know say three or five out in the final section and he is going to be able to bring that air game and I think that's that's the only Achilles heel that I think Ethan is going to have is if there is that element that progressive element that the judges are paying then that will only see him go so far because I think Jack's got it now Jack's really worked on that part of his game um, and he has this sort of this raw, you know, progressive approach. And it's, it's really unpredictable, actually. Um, and the judges like that. I, I actually went back and I watched the, the Philippe and, and Gabby exchange 
um, yesterday, and half of the scores were actually airs. So, and it was, they were on the lefts when Gabby was doing those flips and that massive, big, you know, lofty punt. He was getting, he was getting scored for progression, but then his backup scores were, were on the rights when he was just doing that real beautiful face style of power surfing. So, you know, the judges are going to want to see both and Philippe can bring that. So he will win the men's. Oh, Richie, you've, you've broken my heart just a little, mate. Oh, mate, believe me, the Aussie in me would love Jack or Ethan to come through and do it. Um, but just putting my kind of analytical, critical <laughs> head on, I just I feel like it's going to go for each way. Well, mate, uh, even Aussie does get up. Let's book our tickets now. I'll meet you at Bruce Beaches. Beer bongs uh, is the only dress code, and uh, we'll just go absolutely loony, mate. Well, mate, I don't know if the I don't know if the dings are coming through over our conversation, but I've had a number of texts come through while we've just been talking um, from Bemi and Mitchell. So Bemi's saying there's a really good chance, over ninety percent chance, it's going to be on tomorrow. Um, that, that's tonight, right? Tonight, our time. It's, as in tonight, yeah. and then. Um, uh, yeah, and then Mitch is saying is a, is a real good chance as well. So, um, you know, obviously this is the ocean. Anything can happen, but there's a, there's a good chance. So, mate, I'm going to be setting the alarm. I'm going to get up, watch it, watch the morning show and and just gorge if it does run. So good. Camp Robbo, Camp Carissa calling it on. Rich, I will be glued to the screen, old boy. And uh, just before we go, uh, how would you get the nickname Poon? Look, it's, I mean, obviously, you know, my given name is Richard, which has just been short to Rich or Richie or Rick Love, and then Rick went to Dick, and then Dick is obviously, um, you know, there's a number of different words for it, penis. Uh, so Ronnie, <laughs> <and> I, <laughs> Ronnie started calling me penis, which has just now been shortened to peen. Oh, sorry, mate. I know it's a low note to end on, but uh, I had to do it because I... I... It's fun. I just can't wait for the day that you two are calling heats and he acts it. He just, you know, mindlessly just drops it in. Just like, yeah, what did you make of that last wave? Poon. Poon. <laughs> I know. Oh, I've so missed being there too because I've, I've, I've been grounded since G Land. I was, um, I haven't been able to go anywhere. I was booked to go to South Africa and then obviously some of the uh, potentially, you know, Tahiti and, and the finals. But yeah, I'm grounded at the moment. So, um, Hopefully be back on there soon. No worries, mate. Well, thanks for joining us here. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's basically the final word leading into tonight. Swillians, get up, stay up, back the Aussies. Come on, Australia. Come on, Robbo. Come on, Hewing. And come on, Steph. We've got to get one trophy, Rich. Just one. We do. We do. I'd love to see it. And, uh, yeah, I'll have an Aussie flag out, mate. You know that. But, um I can't wait for this show. It's I, I think I may have had a little bit of seepage while we were just talking as well. <laughs> See you, Poon. <laughs> See you, mate. I'll chat to you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Blitzed, an Ain't That Swell pro-surfing sponge bath.